0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: We're excited to partner with TAC, the only unified platform for reservations, takeout, and event management. TOC is home to 7,000 restaurants, bars, wineries, and breweries. Switch to talk today to increase your revenue and reach millions of loyal and engaged guests around the country. Quit your day job and open up a New York-style pizza shop. That's the American dream, right? Two weeks ago, we chatted with New York's own Scar about his expanding slice shop in the Lower East Side. And because you can never get enough pizza, we're talking slice shops with another growing food entrepreneur, this time south of the Mason-Dixon line.
2: Today, we are talking to Rob Birdsong, owner and chief pizza maker in residence at Glide Pizza in Atlanta, Georgia. This one is special to me for a couple reasons. First, because I grew up in Atlanta and ran in some of the same circles as Rob, so we're very old acquaintances. Um, And we got back in touch, actually, after Rob became a listener of this show. Rob is a career changer and listened to the pod to help get his business off the ground. And we're really excited to catch up and hear all about how it's been going.
3: Welcome. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much uh, for for having me on. I'm really excited to be here and... um chatting with you guys
2: yeah um it's always fun to reconnect with old friends i'm mm-hmm. feeling nostalgic for atlanta right now um <laughs> except for now that there's a proper slice shop i should say so rob you have such an interesting background because you like were in pr and marketing for over a decade before you started slinging pies so tell us and our listeners a little bit about this journey
3: sure sure so well i think to to really take it all the way back um I should mention that, um, in college, uh, Boulder, Colorado, I, uh, had a, had a pizza job, um, for a good portion of my, um, my tenure, um, in college. And I loved that job. It was always one of my favorite jobs, even all through my career in New York. And I thought about that job a lot. And so, um, I kind of had a first taste of, um, the the pizza life um going back into my, you know, my my late teenage years um fast forward um I moved to new york city um in my early very early 20s and um began a career in in marketing and um video production um and uh and some, some uh, as well as some event planning and event production um and you know, it was always a good, um, you know, stable place to be working um, in, in, in you know, space to be working in, in New York, I should say. Um, and, you know, I always liked it. Um, I never would say, would say loved it. but um,
1: I assume as a young as a young employee in New York, you, you had your fair share of, of slices for lunch
3: for lunch and for dinner. I mean, I really used eating, (laughs) eating, eating pizza all throughout my twenties, kind of all, all across Brooklyn and, and, um, in Manhattan. So, um, yeah, I was, you know, as somebody with not a ton of expendable income in New York, pizza was always there for me. And it's just kind of, you know, always had a strong place, held a strong place in my heart. Um, so I met my, um, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, we started a family in Brooklyn. Um, our, you know, kind of a classic story that our first daughter was getting bigger and bigger and our apartment was getting smaller and smaller. And, um, (laughs) we decided that it was time to pack it up. And so we came back down to Atlanta, Georgia, where I'm from. Um, and I took another, I took a job at at a marketing agency here where I was producing lots of videos and, um, and i would come down the elevator every day in midtown just right around the corner from the high museum and um walk out onto the sidewalk and head to lunch and like the so striking to me that there was like basically no pizza i mean it was a, it's a pizza desert um here in atlanta um especially in that neighborhood so i was just like wait what the what the hell is going on here we there's this is kind of a pretty obvious hole in the in the in the pizza market so I was like, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to try and open up a pizza shop. So, um, that's when I discovered this podcast as a matter of fact. And, um, it was really, I just have to say like, so incredible to, um, to discover this podcast and to listen to it. Um, you know, I don't have a business partner and I've been doing this kind of by myself this whole time. Um, or at least getting it launched. I mean, now I've got a great staff, but, um, I would, you know, drink my coffee in the morning and put on an episode and, you know, it it feels like I know, I know you two very well at this (laughs) point. And, um, you know, um, so it's been, it's been nice. Like I've just kind of to have that motivation and to hear, um, from the different guests that you've had on the show. So, um, Kind of crazy to be here and um thank you for for all of the seasons and episodes so far.
2: We're getting teary-eyed here, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> we're like it makes that this is this, this is, is what why, it's about. Yeah,
1: this is why yeah. we're here. I'm so so excited to hear that 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 it has helped. When did you start um when when did the ideas start to take place? This was a year or two ago?
3: Yeah, so we um it was about two years ago. I was still had my office job. Um and and I was kind of assessing the pizza situation in Atlanta, um, coming from New York. I couldn't really find the style of pizza that I liked and thought that I could, um, you know, bring it here. Um, uh, so it was about two years ago, I wrote a business plan, uh, which I had never done before. Um, I courted investors, um, which I'd also never done before. Um, <laughs> most of them said no, um it only takes a couple A couple said yes, and um it was kind of a weird a weird moment in time, like as I was fundraising um the pandemic was really taking shape last march um and I'd set out to raise a lot more money than I ended up needing to actually need um you know, That's a rare story. First, That's a, like. a, what,
1: yeah. Do you think that was because of the pandemic because rents went down? or
3: Yeah, so basically, um, the original model was more of a counter service, you know, 40 or 50 seat restaurant um, kind of setup. And that was going to be in Midtown Atlanta, um, you know, and, so that, and I was raising money for that concept. Um, Midtown Atlanta shut down. You know, there's like 90,000 people that work there, but then all of a sudden stopped going to work there. Um, so, I found this other little location off of the the Belt Line here in Atlanta, which is our, our Greenway project. It's really kind of a cool, um, a cool stretch of of uh, pathway that will eventually be a 22 mile um, circle, uh, and it's just for runners, joggers, cyclists roller skaters and you know very pedestrian centric um and so we have now um a 750 square foot space um and a a walk-up window um and that's where all of our business takes place um we don't allow anybody inside we don't wait on anybody we just give people their pizza and, and go back home so um that Just was exactly um,
1: what you needed during the pandemic. Yeah, it was actually it was
2: yeah. a perfect pandemic. sort. What Or was it a perfect pandemic business? You tell
3: us. Well, it was funny. I listened, you know, I think I remember listening to one of your episodes and it was about the P word pivot. And, you know, at that time, restaurants were all, you know, take out this online ordering that, you know, how do we how do we survive here? And so we kind of had this unique opportunity to like lead with that model. Um, and so we were really lucky. We were getting close to actually signing a lease in a building in Midtown and they were taking forever. And that was, ended up being a blessing. Um, and so we just had this little, um, it's like a, it's a pizza factory. I mean, it's, there's not a lot of room in there. We'd have our oven, we have our mixer, we have a couple refrigerators, um, and, um, and we got to work. Um,
2: when did you actually take the space on the belt line?
3: So we took it in June of last year, and we opened um, at the end of July. So we're coming up Holy on a year. Holy
2: Well, that was also like the fastest turnaround ever. So not only did you not need all the mon- not need the money that you were initially going to raise, but you also turned it around in like six to eight weeks.
3: Yeah, we again, you know, d- we, because I mean, the space that we moved into um, had a hood, had a grease trap, uh, had a lot of the stuff that. You know, we didn't need to hire an architect. We didn't need to have an expensive build out. We just kind of got our stuff in there and got going. Um, And so it was really just kind of the scrappy mentality, which it also feels really New York to me in a way. And and I love it, it. Yeah.
2: And it sounds, I mean, it's like in New York, a slice shop is just that. It's a sliver of a space. It's very small. It's like you go and you like, maybe there's a couple seats, but not a ton. So I think it sounds like it ended up being true to its roots. A utilitarian
1: version of right. a restaurant,
3: essentially.
2: 100%. So, how, so, tell, so tell us a little bit about how you actually like came up with recipes and, you know, since you are a career changer and you had some pizza experience back, you know, in college, but otherwise, like, you know, where yes. did you get your your pizza-making training.
3: So, um, so so glad you asked. Um, <laughs> I was introduced to a wonderful man named Angelo Womack. He lives in Brooklyn. Um, he is a pizza consultant. He worked at Roberta's from day one in Bushwick. Um, he opened up a restaurant uh, in California for many years called Rye and Oak. Um, and he's... Had an extensive pizza menu there. Um, he came back to New York City. He's worked at Poly G's, he's worked at lots of different places and is a pizza wizard. Um, and so I brought him into the mix. I admittedly am not the pizza expert, and like I don't want to spend 10 years trying to find the perfect recipe. So um Angelo was really um critical um player in 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 the way that this all went down so he um was it was fortunate enough to work with him he came down to atlanta several times um and helped us uh get the recipe dialed in um from a dough perspective from a sauce perspective um he's helped us with some some of the recipes i mean he's been just incredible resource um wonderful person awesome dude and just you know, a kind of a a secret weapon in, uh, in some, in some respects. So, um, yeah, Angelo Womack. Uh, he's got a, a, an an account called rad times pizza. Uh, definitely worth checking out. And he's just a, um, awesome guy. So he, uh, and I got introduced to him from, um, Drew Brown, who is a, basically Polly G's right-hand man. Um, he opened up the slice shop, um, on Greenpoint Avenue. Um, and, Um, has gone on, you know, worked with Polly G for many years. He's a close friend of mine. So he was the person who introduced me to Angelo.
1: I'm kind of surprised that the, that the pizza world would be open in that way to sharing recipes, mentoring. Uh, Did you find that the, the pizza world has been a more of a family than a competition?
3: I think the pizza world is very collaborative. I think the nature of pizza is one of those kind of share, like happy share foods, um, and so, yeah, I think there are definitely, um, you know, there's a good kind of community of pizza makers I'm, I'm discovering, um, and pizza entrepreneurs and just, um, you know, there's, there's definitely like lots of places online where Pizza, pizza people kind of tend to hang out and share ideas and there's pizza podcasts out there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think probably more so than a lot of other cuisines, to be honest. Like, I can't think of, I mean, there's the, the Pizza Expo every year in Las Vegas. Like, I don't think right. there's a hamburger expo. Um,
2: <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, I think about exactly what you're saying. It's like Chris Bianco and the Franks. Um, in New York City they have a restaurant concept together which you would have like came from Scottsdale, Arizona and opened this with the Franks so it's like you would, F&F right. pizza well, I think it's like aside from being about-
1: um, just an amazing meal pizza is also can be a very good business so I think that there's reason that there are a lot of pizza shops all over the country some of them terrible and a lot of them amazing
0: Yeah, because yeah. I
1: think it's a, it's a great business did you look at at that part of it as part of the reason for doing it because it, it is something that it gives a little bit more of a profit margin than a traditional restaurant.
3: Absolutely. Um, I, and I think kind of coming from New York too, like, you know, New York, like, like Jen was saying a minute ago, like, you know, a slice shop is like a sliver of a piece of property, but then like also like right next door is like the butcher and right next door is the baker. And like everybody kind of does like their one or two things. Um, and I think that that was, that mentality I really wanted to f- pursue. Um, I didn't. And I didn't want to have a full blown restaurant with tons of you know sub you know s- subs and um, you know salads and lasagna. People ask us all the time, "Do you guys have any pasta? You know, do you have any hot wings?" And um, <laughs> the, the answer is always no. Um, we we have pizza and we really just want to kind of stay in our lane and do one thing, two things and do it really well. Um, and so, yeah, I would say, you know, very much wanting to avoid having a big restaurant with a big menu.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think there's something to be said for focus. We always focus. talk about this focus. We it hasn't love come back focus. in a place as
1: much this season as it has in previous seasons, but I, I think almost every episode has had something about focus. And this is certainly a, um, a, a good point, a, a good part of, of your business, I
2: think. Tell us a little bit about how, like, your marketing background helped you with starting the business and and what Glide is today. Um, or did yeah.
3: it? Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think it definitely did. Um, I don't have, like, a great answer. Um, kind of like, teed up for that, but I would say, like, I don't know, like, I just feel like you know you want to be able i think you just i mean like people tell say all the time like I mean, it's a really nice thing to hear But like you guys do a great job on instagram and it's like well that's nice you know we're just trying to really just be authentic um you know like we share obviously like lots of photos of our pizza um you know we reshare when when you know people have like our pizza parties or picnics or whatever and um you know we share a lot of music um and I just you know try to share like you know some things that are happening in in the news, you know there's always like a pizza story in the news like um and I don't know, just really trying to connect with people like you know beyond you know in ways beyond you know other other than just with with the pizza itself um and so I think that yeah, like you know there's lots of different ways that i've i've i think that you can arrive in the in the restaurant world and lots of, you know, different paths. And my path seems to kind of come from a a marketing exit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: You're not the only one. We actually, our very first episode, we had um, the guys from Butler on and Hugo, one of the founders, came from advertising. So this is also, you know, definitely there's lots of career changers who build very successful businesses um, in this realm. So tell me a little bit about the response from Atlanta. Did they know what they were missing with like a true slice? Because like like we've talked about before growing up there, and you're not the first New York expat to move to Atlanta. Actually, one of our very first employees who's with us for six years moved to Atlanta and basically wrote to us immediately and was like, what the hell with the pizza here? Oh my um, gosh! And that was before you opened. And he was like, "There is no good slice shop." So you are not the first one to have this observation. And I'm glad you're actually taking action. I'm willing to
1: bet he's already a customer too. And <laughs> yeah, to I would. And I'm gonna text make him. Make sure and Richie is on is on the ball <laughs> with that. so pizza. funny.
2: Um, but yeah, I'm I'm curious about the response. Like, did did Atlanta know what they were missing?
3: People have given us the warmest warmest welcome um it's really been humbling and just kind of incredible to experience um we i mean i think just the fact that we opened when we opened uh we opened in the you know july of 2020 it's like we were at the depths of of the coronavirus restaurants were closing left and right everyone had switched to you know a, a takeaway or um a delivery model and so I think one of the things that's led to the success so far was, you know, like, wait a minute, it's, it's August of 2020 and I can get something new. There's something new in Atlanta right now. Like what? Um, so that I think worked to our advantage. Um, and yeah, you know, people have really seemed to respond well to the, the pizza. Um, are we, people
1: buying slices like in New York like as your, as your intention or are people buying pies, I feel like, I don't know. But yeah. Do people I mean, come in and grab a slice?
3: Yeah, people. I mean, so our location is has a ton of foot traffic 20 feet away. Um, From so the there are people walking up and down the Beltline all day long, and they just pop in, get their slice of pizza, and continue on their way. Um, that happens regularly and pretty consistently. Um, about 65 or 70% of our business is whole pies. Um, and that's people who. Order on their phone, glidepizza.com, and come and pick their pizza up in 30, min- 30 minutes later. Um,
1: and you guys have like a slightly unique delivery system. Is that right?
3: Yeah. Um, so we don't work with any third party apps or platforms. Um, and we do the delivery ourselves. And the way that we deliver is, is on uh, electric bicycles.
1: Um, oh. Was that choice based on? just the, the rates of uh, third party or because you wanted to do something
3: different we, tr- we really want to try to own our delivery model um, and you know those companies are famous for the margins that they that they take away especially from businesses our size um, and you know who don't really have um, you know years and years of customers built in or you know brand new um, and then the fact that we are on the belt line really got me thinking like, all right, they
1: can hit
3: the. Let's just deliver the pizzas around on the on the pathway right here. Like, um, and it's been cool. We've, there's a company here in Atlanta that makes electric bikes. They're called Edison Bicycles, and they are amazing machines. Um, and we put some pizza racks on them. Um, they're pretty souped up, and um, and it's just been an awesome way to. I mean just been i feel like a core piece of like our company like we you know i would love to have a lot of pizza shops and a lot of bicycles everywhere you know atlanta is thought of as in so many respects as like a a car car, a car town and and it is but like i think you know if you look really closely you can you can actually see oh well there's lots of there's a big cycle commute culture here too and we can get our pizzas to where they need to go so much quicker um, on bicycles, it it generally seems like. um,
2: What's your delivery radius? Is it smaller than it would be if you were using one of the third-party providers?
3: It's pretty tight, um, but we are in an area that is pretty densely populated. Um, So it's about a mile and a half um, at its furthest and uh, half a mile at its closest. It's uh, like a kind of a rectangle. Um, We sort of like formed it around some natural, um, natural borders. You know, like we don't go over the big interstate 75, 85. Um, we don't go South of I-20, which is another big one. So we're just kind of like in this, you know, I don't know three or four square mile radius. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the furthest away the drivers, the bike driver ever goes is about a 20 minute drive.
1: One of the other challenges I think of having in-house delivery is this idea of staffing an employee that may have 30 minutes of sitting and waiting or two hours of sitting and waiting. How do you, how do you, mm-hmm. how did you sort of meet that challenge with the staffing to make sure that that person was active and busy and you know not a drain on
3: your payroll? Yeah, um, he's. We're really lucky it's got this guy named Robert Mahoney who does the bulk of our delivery, um, our bulk of our deliveries. And he, um, he's just like a busy body. I mean, he's in there folding boxes, he's in there, um, you know, just putting stuff away. Like he just kind of helps our overall operation run smooth in the little but important ways. Um, that are needed um so but you know most of the time he's he's delivering pizza and um and that's you know great
2: and so you have so right now you have one driver one like cycle we have one
3: dedicated person now um we have two bikes yeah so so what happens
1: on like friday night at 7 p.m how do you handle 30 uh, we, 30
3: deliveries what's yeah, robert we 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 haven't quite hit that 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 part of the um the delivery uh portion Challenges, of the business yeah right. so i mean we'll, we'll see we have another bike um and one of them is one of them is a, a cargo bike and one of them is just a regular commuter bike um so you know we we can there's been a couple times when i've jumped on a bike and um We've kind of tag teamed it, but for the most part, he can do it. And I would say, for generally too, um, people tend to come to us for whatever reason. it Seems like okay. um, I
1: ask because I feel like uh, you know I, I want to see more restaurants have a way to bring it back in house because they are they're getting murdered on the on the um, percentages that are being taken from. Couldn't a service more. that is easier of course and it does give you a larger audience and those kind of things but you also
2: can pay people more fairly the really drivers don't make any hard, money with the yeah. third party apps either which is yeah. also like the yeah. tragedy so I'm, about I'm hoping it.
1: that yours is working and continues to work as you grow and then you put out a book about how to do it for every other <laughs> restaurant in the country
2: and i am all in for <laughs> the electric bikes alex and i commute every day to work on electric bikes oh, and they are like the they are the thing they are the so thing. great so and, um, good
3: I will say too the, um, the people at Edison bicycles here up the street, um, we're sort of their Guinea pigs. I mean, they're, they are very excited about the potential, you know, they've got these, this new fleet of bikes now, these cargo bikes, and they're trying to also not just be a bicycle, an electric bicycle company for commuters. They're very much trying to break into the delivery space um and Smart. so what's
1: their is there a social handle or a website i couldn't find them on instagram i believe
3: it's edison bicycles or at edison bicycles um i think is their handle and um yeah there's a wonderful company and, i got it now yeah. edison bicycles Yeah. and you have yeah. a
2: cute name for it right you call it like the glide ride we call it the
3: glide ride um <laughs> the, the glide cool. rides um and yeah they're they're just you know a fun way we sort of play with that in our posts. like let us glide you glide you some pizzas on our glide rides um that's uh,
1: I actually see your bike on here. It's really rad with the uh, the yellow box on the back. Yeah, yeah. that's like a, a gimbal it's box. It's kind of crazy.
3: Uh, like the the idea with that uh, of an inventor friend who lives in Colorado, and um, he had this idea that like he built this basically this like this suspend this this box that hangs and so when the bike turns left the box the box goes right and it keeps the center of the gravity uh, oh, center. Around. Oh, guy, yeah. these guys have got to get to yes, new york they will, will destroy so it genius. yeah it's <laughs> so
2: it's, smart it's,
3: it's it's a really awesome invention and he's now and um he's seeing if he's i hope researching he's to, to see too. if he can build a business around this gimbal box I mean, I mean yeah. hello.
2: He should patent the shit out of that. He's and working
3: like, on it. He's working yes, on it. Yes, <laughs> that
2: is so genius.
1: Cool. Well, I don't want to divert entirely into your bike because you do have a, a business that is interesting. <laughs> that is, and that's why we're here. But the bike
2: it's is awesome. a part of that. Is the that, bike is amazing. Yeah.
3: The, and, I, and I'll just say one other thing, too. Like, living in living in Brooklyn and, I mean, I would ride. I was a big cyclist in New York City. And so it feels in a, another way of just like, you know, uh, an ode to New York. We open up a pizza shop. We deliver the, the bikes on... Deliver the pizzas on bikes, like I was riding over the Williamsburg Bridge every day to get to in and out of the city and just, you know, love riding in New York City and all the pathways and all the the bike paths that are available there now. So it's just like part of kind of, you know, what we're doing here.
2: And was that always part of the original business plan? Like, does Glide have something to do with the bikes and everything? Or is that something you sort of figured out later when you were doing this mostly, like, takeout window style?
3: I th- It was in the original business plan. We were going to be in min- in Midtown, which is a hev- hev- heavily congested area with lots of cars. And we figured that bikes were going to be the best way to do it. And I w- and I knew I wanted to have not get in bed with the DoorDashes and the Uber Eats of the world.
1: Is that where the name comes from?
3: Um, no, the name, uh, the name, I don't really have a great story, I think, was, was, I'll say this, here's what I'll say, all the pizza restaurants in Atlanta seem to have names like Amaza, Antico, Fellini's, (laughs) Verrazano's, Veruni's, yep, Mm and so and then there's
2: Mellow Mushroom, (laughs) right,
3: amongst the sea of Mellow Mushroom, but um, I just wanted something that was, easy to remember and just like one syllable and you know not a multi-syllable italian origin name so just (laughs) so maybe that answers your marketing question jen like just something that was easy and you know kind of sticky
2: it is definitely sticky and your logo is very cute alex actually remarked that was like the first thing he said he was like nice logo and he doesn't give those out very (laughs) sweet
3: Well, we're yeah, love the logo as well, and uh, again like and you'll hear me say the more I talk about glad you'll you hear me say like more of the other people in, in the Atlanta world, but the designer who did that is named Brian Steely. He has this kind of made a made a name for himself for doing these mono monoline um, design monoline design kind of style. Um, and he's got a, a big following and just does awesome work for lots of brands and beer labels and cannabis and kind of everything. he's an awesome guy. Look him up.
2: Brian Steely,
3: got it. Yeah.
2: Cool. So let's um so let's get to some more exciting news. There's a glide two coming down the pike. Tell us a little bit about what's going on there and,
3: and I'd be happy to so um, there's a brewery that is about to open in Decatur. This is in, right down the road. Um, it's a neighbor, it's a, actually its own incorporated city, but it's in Atlanta. Um, and the brewery is called Inner Voice. And they uh, took over this giant space um, that used to be like a big Tex, Mexican kind of place. Um, so there's Rhett and Josh who are brewers. They have been brewing in Atlanta, uh, all the breweries for like, or a lot of different breweries for like the last 10 years. And they're setting out to open up their own brewery. Um, The space that they took over um, has a, has a kitchen in it. It's got a walk-in cooler. It's got a grease trap. It's got a hood. Um, And so they are also customers of mine. And they approached me a couple of months ago and said, Hey, we're opening up a brewery. We're beer guys. We're looking at, we're taking over the space as a kitchen. We're looking for a food partner. We don't want to do the food. You know, would you be interested in, uh, you know, selling pizza at our brewery and so, oh my gosh. Wow. So went out there and met with them uh, a couple of different times and saw their space kind of take shape and come to life. And, um, yeah, I recently just signed on, um, to be- begin our build out and move into that space. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's coming this fall um super excited to be um to be in there and and what's great about it um for us is like you know first of all pizza and beer is like the most famous combination of food pairing ever it's a great Um, model
1: we were actually in new orleans um a few weeks ago and nola brewery has a similar thing that is is relatively new that another actual podcaster helped uh Helps bring to life. So if you haven't checked it out as sort of something to look at, then you should, but it naturally goes together. Plus I think, am I right that Decatur is home to Emory or, and all the college kids.
3: There's a lot of college kids right nearby. Um, Yeah. Emory's right there. And, um, um, what's so cool about what are, what one of the things I'm excited about. Um, so they were nice enough to cut a giant hole in the wall. So like, like, we have now our walk-up window. Um, I feel like the walk-up window is just going to be <laughs> central for all future glides. Like, this is just the way that we want to do it. It's a lot easier. Um, so, we've got that kind of... So, you facing. never do
1: indoor. You're only going to do...
3: I mean, we'll the window, see. Get the I, I don't or... really want to do... <laughs>
2: never say never, Rob. But yeah. you got a model and you're sticking to it for now. Model totally.
3: Works. You know, especially, you know, given the climate of everything still going on right now. Um, but, yeah, so we've got the the window we've got the the big hole cut in the wall so we can sell whole pies and slices out that window but also there's a giant window that looks out over there um like tap room and like like hangout area so as people are sitting there enjoying beers throughout the day and in the evening they can also come to us and get um slices at our counter so we kind of have two counters at this place and that's um you know pretty exciting for us like it's a it's a baby step you know we'll, it's a uh, the next, we have our window and then we have this other register checkout area. Um, and so I'm um, I mean, super excited about that and um, really kind of pumped that they, that they thought to ask us and um, yeah, they're, they're great, great guys.
2: And so this, um, and you're su- basically, are you like subleasing it from the brewery? Cause I, before we started, I asked what was going on and Rob said he was in the fifth round of his final, final lease review, which I think is an experience many, many people have. So I'm curious to hear how, like, how, how does that work?
3: Yeah. So they are the master leaseholders, um, for the, you know, they have the relationship with the landlord and I will pay them rent. Um, and yeah. But like the way the way that we set it up is like I that we're going to try to like maintain the same hours. Um, but also like if they close for a week and need a break, like I can still operate like out of the window. Um, so it's, it's not like a business within a business, but I would say it's like a business side by side with a business.
1: I would assume that the nature of it, that the that the rent agreement is is more of a rev share situation or is it a traditional
3: rent? It's a flat, um, it's, it's, it's actually not, it's just a regular, uh, a, a month, a, a monthly rent. Um, so yeah.
2: Awesome. But, yeah. Well, that's exciting. We're excited to hear about number two opening. We're super excited that there,
1: before we move on, oh, yeah. that just, are there, um, lessons from glide one that, that you'll
3: improve on, on glide two that you would change? Yeah. So I, I think, um, you know, dough is the trickiest, always the trickiest thing to, uh, or the most important and the trickiest, uh, piece of any kind of pizza operation, uh, especially now as we're heading into July and August, um, here in, in humid Georgia. Um, so just, you know, we've been doing this now for almost a year and I think we've got it really kind of dialed in tight, but we've had many, many days where we've, uh, flopped on our batches of dough, and you know, just just managing the temperature and the in the humidity, kind of in in and out, out of the shop, um, has something. What that do you
1: is, do when the dough flops? So You can't really like start over. Do you do you like alter it as best as you can and get it rolling?
3: Um, we've
1: do you close for the day? What's, what's we've had thing? to close.
3: We've had to close for the day. We've had to um, we've had to close for the day. We've just you know prayed that we weren't very busy a couple of days <laughs> like we've just had some you know days where the pizzas weren't as, as sexy as we le- want, want them to look um and we just you know try and kind of get through it
2: at the end of the day sometimes the mistakes are still delicious but I know what yeah. you mean it's hard to be it's taken Alex and I got an uni like in January and I just nailed <laughs> our dough it took me six months
3: Oh, and awesome! This is awesome. like
2: at home making small
3: time, small time, or
2: small, or small time. time. Or small time. <laughs> um, but it's a real thing. Are you are you doing naturally leavened? Are you doing a mix? Or are you just doing like regular yeast? We
3: use a sourdough starter um, and a little bit of yeast um, to kind of jumpstart it, and That's then my
2: secret sauce too. Yeah, That's, yeah
3: so we good. We let it sit for forty-eight hours, so all of our um, all of our dough has like a forty-eight hour proof period, um, and it's you know by the time that it ends up on the, the paper plate of the customer. It's you know, got this really great um, you know, fresh baked bread um, sense about it that I think people really dig.
1: What do you do if, I understand what you do if you don't have enough dough, you sell out and close the shop. What do you do if you have too much dough? Do you just throw in the garbage?
3: Um, we try not to do that. You know, um, you know three-day-old dough is still really good. It's a little more sour. Um, I got so it. occasionally we'll have to we'll have to do that, um, but we've got it pretty f- pretty figured out now. Like we know how many batches of dough we're going to need heading into the weekends versus like a Tuesday. So uh, we've got a really good grasp of that um, at this point.
1: Chef Louis Alexicus has built something of a Greek dining empire in Chicago. He started with Avli Winnetka in 2009, a casual restaurant where he could serve contemporary Greek food and wine in a festive atmosphere. Avli developed a loyal fan base, and in the past few years, the revered Greek-American chef has opened three new Avli offshoots in Chicago. Chef Louis uses talk to power reservations, events, and takeout, which he says has led to creative new revenue streams, and the 24-7 technical support that TOC offers is a game changer. Louis says, with TOC, there's great built-in help and amazing technical support. At some point, I need to send Baklava out of the team because they deserve it. Aww. To learn more about how TOC powers restaurants, go to ExploreTalk.com join. That's ExploreTalk, T-O-C-K dot com slash join.
2: Awesome. All right, let's go to some lightning round. Um tell us your go-to slice at glide.
3: Um I like cheese.
2: Cheese, plain cheese, classic.
1: What was your favorite slice shop in New York?
3: Um I mean, I would definitely put Polly G slice up there up there. Um and I liked, um, I mean, I've only been a handful of time to Scars, but that's, you know, pretty pretty much like those those two are, are, are my favorites, I'd say.
2: Yeah, I know that's like asking to pick your favorite child. I <laughs> the same way. Um, what has been your best business resource? It
1: can be a book, person, podcast, I will TV show, whatever.
3: Um, I've listened to almost every single episode of that opening soon. So again, thank you both so much. Um, one of the one of the great um tidbits that I think you may have asked somebody um, when you were had Mason on from Turkey and the wolf you asked him this question and he was like I got the best accountant imaginable <laughs> and <laughs> she, she handles all my shit and so and he, and he said uh, he, he named the company and this is I listened to that podcast at a point in my um research and discovery phase i was just trying i was trying to find the right accountant. i could not find i must have interviewed 10 of them anyway i went and looked up margaret from cfo one source who's now my accountant
1: um yeah, the same awesome. one. that's amazing that's amazing so yeah so we
3: have the same account i have the same accountant as him now and he was totally right um she is a new orleans-based accounting firm women women owned women led and they just get shit done um and so, I cannot say enough nice things about Margaret and Kathy and Deanna and the people that I've gotten to know there. Um, and so, thanks to, to Mason and thanks to you guys for, um, for t- turning me on to them.
2: No, that's cool. Really I was going to say
1: thank you to you for, I think, in this episode, you've done a really good job of crediting all the people that have helped you. So, yeah. if anybody's whoever's listening, go back, re listen, the names are there. The people are ready to be contacted to help you get your own business up.
2: Yeah, and the fr- I mean, and there is, they they act like a fractional CFO. It sounds like too, which is just like beyond helpful. I'm sure. Oh my gosh,
3: yeah, like they have like business advice, strategy. They're like we've applied for um, some of the restaurant relief funds, and they had like all that stuff like prepared, ready to go, submit on day one. Like I mean, they've just been incredible and in all the ways that I am not. So I mean, they they've just They do do my payroll, they do my tax, I mean, it's, oh my God, I I would be nowhere without them.
2: That's amazing. Um, This one was not on the sheet, but I am curious, what was your, what was like the the family thinking when you're like, I'm quitting my day job and opening a uh, pizza
3: restaurant? Thank God my wife has supported this uh, crazy idea um, and has for a long time. I think she knew that I was ultimately feeling unsatisfied in my previous career. And so she's been incredible. Um, She's had to really step up as a mom, uh, especially, you know, this last year. Um, She also has her own small business. Um, So we're, you know, been at home with two small kids, two small businesses. She works in the morning. I work in the evening. I call it hot potato. She walks in the door and I'm like, here's the the kids. See you later. Um, But um, it's, yeah, I mean, she's really my biggest supporter and really proud. And, um, you know, I loved that is had, we've had the traction that we have and, um, it's just been kind of a wild ride, you know, on the one hand, 2020 was a great year to do something. There there wasn't much else to do. Um, so like, it was kind of a great time to focus on some, you know, one or one thing. So um, in that respect, like, it was like, all right, well, we're going to open up this pizza shop. Um, so, but then, you know, on the other hand, it's like, it's a pandemic and you're opening up a restaurant. Like, are you crazy?
1: <laughs>
2: um,
3: so we, we laugh about that. But you opened the that.
2: right kind of restaurant, I would say. The right yeah. kind
1: of restaurant. I think like, you know, like you said earlier too, I think the there's less people opening. There's more things closed and people are excited for something, something new. new. So they're yeah. more yeah. likely, you're more likely to get people to try you probably than yeah. you would have two years ago because there's less new stuff Uh, and you're going to keep them because your pizza is awesome and it looks great. And you've got the cool bike and all that kind of stuff. But like, I think, I think that the audience is, is, is heightened and ready. And I think you, I'm impressed and and neat to see that you, um, that you got it done through the pandemic.
3: Yeah. I feel like if we can, if we did it last year, then like, which should, it should be easier going forward. Right. So um, at, at least that's, at least that's, (laughs) I keep telling myself. We Um, made
2: it in 2020. You can make it anywhere, I guess. There
3: you go. Exactly. Awesome.
2: Um, well, we love the story. We're so happy for you. Congratulations on making it to one year and on already expanding to the second location.
3: Thank you, guys, and like a good podcast listener, at the end, right before we opened, I ordered I think a dozen Tillit aprons. With you guys, did yeah. a wonderful, ah, wonderful job with our apron, <laughs> with our putting our logo on that, and we, we rock those all the time. So thanks, thanks again for that.
2: Awesome! Cool. I love it. Tell us um, any opening soon announcements. Anybody you want to shout out? Anybody else opening in Atlanta?
3: Oh, my, gosh. Um, 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 oh, uh, my friends... Um, Dwayne and the guys who, uh, at Supremo Taco, uh, right A Memorial, um, have this awesome taco stand and they are getting ready in the next couple of weeks to open up Pollo Supremo, which will be the type of place where you go and get a quarter or a half of rotisserie chicken, um, uh, Tecate and some, um, and like a side of rice and beans. Um, and so, um, super excited for them. Um, they do a bang up job down here and, um, and, yeah, I think everyone is excited for um, for them to open up. Is that up. on the Beltway, too? That is um, a little closer to East Atlanta Village. It, the Beltline does not touch that, but uh, it's uh, still, you know, pretty close by. Cool.
2: What do you got here? What do I got here? Well, I don't have stuff here. I have Ghost Donkeys opening their second location in Colorado um, and Salty Donuts, which has been um, loyal till it from the beginning her opening locations nationwide so it's really exciting to see them expand they started just in Florida with one location Um, but they make ridiculous donuts they are like look so good I wish they had one in New York Um, yeah that's it that's what I got
1: uh rob remind us where people can find you online on
3: instagram sure thing yeah um well our website is glidepizza.com where you can order your where you can order pizzas and you can look for us on instagram at glide pizza
1: wait do you do people call in like the old days like when when i was just a Uh, kid we we,
3: No, so we (laughs) don't have a phone line uh much to the chagrin of some of some of our customers, <laughs> um, but most people get it now. They just order from their phones or their computers. Cool. Uh,
1: and you can find us uh, at Tillot NYC and at We Are Opening Soon. Thanks, Rob. Thank you.
2: Thank you
3: all so much. Take care.
2: Opening Soon is powered by SimpleCast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network food radio supported by you for our freshest content subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org and connect with us on instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio you could also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network heritage radio network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place and we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you